You know how much a polar bear weighs Enough to break the ice Hi, my name is Clint I'm just here to pick up my order from the bar I can't know your presence Do you want a drink? Please do not overthink Let me in this moment The next words are being thought of Why I distract you with what I think To the point I sit down next to you Why you solemnly swear Man ain't shit I tell you I agree with the cinema Even though I personally disagree My personality Look past shit it bugged me Cause potential intimacy I noticed a ring on your hand I asked where's he She said I'm just here by myself He had work I replied but it's 10.37 for whatever that is worth Asked when's the lucky day She said what you mean viciously I said the wedding day Obviously she said it's just a promise ring Asked how old you is She said 27 I said that's how school is But hey true love is true love right Who am I to judge I mean me and my girlfriend is technically not my girlfriend But she found out I was sitting here talking to you She would tell me have a great life And post to social media how no good Often beats with Clint. Ew. Now I don't know about you, but you're listening to episode 22. Everything's gonna be alright if you just listen to the rest of this fucking podcast and listen to the Often Beat podcast with Clint. Welcome to your Friday podcast. Never introduced it as a special edition Friday podcast, but I love doing things on Friday. It is 12.33 a.m. Friday, July 16th, I believe. Yeah. Friday, July 16th. I'm recording this at 12.33 after midnight, whatever the correct fucking terminology is. I'm your host, Clint. This is episode 22. And uh, as you could tell, I was a tailor made for that intro. It was pretty uh, swiftly put together, I guess you could say. <clears throat> Speaking of swiftly um, making sure things are going the right way to prevent injuries, I read this fucking USA Today article. Um, and apparently... Stretching is bad for you. If you are working out, stretching before you work out or exercise is not only not helpful. Okay, let's say you're getting some new fucking information. I'm always open to new information. Anything that could prevent injuries, uh, increase performance. I've tried all of it. All different types of stretches to improve performance. If you get my drift. And uh, you didn't have to go to Tokyo to get that one. Anyways, so apparently, stretching doesn't do anything for you. And not only does it not do fucking anything, it actually causes injuries. Because apparently stretching, as they would say, a cold muscle. Basically, if you're trying to just do some toe touches to start out, you're doing too intense. They uh, recommend gradual warm-ups. With, uh, you know what? That makes sense. Gradual warming of the body. What does that, what does that uh, actually mean? Absolutely fucking nothing. They never uh, specify what the fuck gradual warming is. Look, here's the problem I have with it. Is that... I believe now that I understand why the government, or in a sense... For example, like UFOs or NSA... When it comes to your security and data they're taking from you. I understand that it's probably best that we as citizens don't know everything. Transparency sounds nice. Transparency, um, if it puts you in a frenzy and makes you worry about whether you're going to live that day or not. Are you owed that right? Or are you owed peace of mind because that's really what we want from high officials people that we elect you know the government is we just want peace of mind where we can do what we can do and what we want to do without worrying about whether you know someone's going to drop a nuclear bomb on us peace of mind right but the saturation of because now the saturation 
of contradicting information. We've been taught our whole lives how fucking important it is that you stretch before you do any amount of physical activity. Before you play basketball, you know what you probably do? Do some leg pull-ups. You know, when you if you can see the video, you basically like uh, stand on one leg, you pull your knees to your chest, and then you alternate for about 10 to 12 reps. Maybe you sit down, maybe you stretch, get your hammies stretched out. You know, maybe uh, you do Russian twists, you know, maybe you do like some uh, push-ups, maybe you do a couple pull-ups, maybe you do like a nice one lap around the track. Maybe you do some, you know, calf raises, whatever the fuck. Maybe you do some yoga poses, I don't know, butterflies. You notice how I will say butterflies aren't very natural when you get older. I cannot crisscross applesauce. Can't remember the last time I have fucking applesauce. Um, the only thing we'd be crisscrossing these days is our DNA structures. If you get my drift. Again, didn't have to go to Tokyo for that one. Thank you, Taylor. I will be um, writing my love story, hopefully sometime soon. And uh, just so you know, Taylor, I'm wearing like a I'm wearing my plaid button-up, something that I feel like she would wear after she, you know, writes a song and about Harry Styles. Now Harry Styles is um with Olivia Wilde. Didn't mean for that to rhyme. But um hopefully he's uh going in one direction to impregnate her. Shout out uh, her ex-husband, Jason De- Sudeikis, one of the best SNL cast members. You go, Ted Lasso. Anyways, this fucking, I do, like, and I, I'll tell you what frustrated me about it. It seems a harmless thing. Oh, you don't need to stretch. Actually, stretching is bad for you, even though we're taught in, you know, PE, team sports, any physical fucking activity we are taught in schools, was it all a fucking lie? Was it all a lie? Is it all useless? Because if you were to go on and if you were to go down your Instagram health and fitness category, or you know what, just go to your Discover page. If it knows your algorithm and you like looking at people do hammer squats with the red highlighted the quad area when they're doing specific squats, it almost looks like you're looking at an x-ray of a fucking quad while they're doing some extensions. It's like, yes. I see how you got your quads. You don't need to highlight it like it's some icy hot heat pack package, okay? I know where your quads are, so chill the fuck out. I get it. You extend your leg, knees up, toes out, even form, good balance. Reps are important. I fucking get it. But if you were also, if you were just even typing on YouTube... I'm pretty sure I haven't done it, but I've seen enough videos of shit and I've seen this contradiction and not knowing what the fuck to do. If I was a complete novice, which luckily I'm not, even though I've been out of the game for a minute, but if I was a complete novice trying to get into fitness. If I were to type in how to work out, of course, you're going to get different versions of how you should work out as a beginner, but you're going to have one video tell you uh, warming up. You need to make sure you warm up for 20 minutes. Do you need to make sure you get your body going, running, squat, like doing body weight exercise, all this. And when you're gonna watch another video, like, nah, warming up is bullshit. It hurts you. You can actually get more hurt warming up. And then you see another thing. It says a completely different thing you should do. One thing, see a completely different thing to do. It's like, who obviously each person's different. Each person operates fucking different. We all understand that. You need to learn your body. Learn what works for you. But the oversaturation of information and quote unquote, is it possibly misinformation? I don't know. Some people can warm up and still get hurt. Some people cannot warm up and never get hurt. I don't know. Common sense would say before you do three hours of playing basketball, you should probably... uh. At least lay down on the basketball court by the side and, you know, cross your arms a bit, but knees to toes, elbows to elbows, do a couple push-ups, you know, do a couple pull-ups at the rim and then pull up from three like Devin Booker. But you know what? I don't know. 
But I think it actually causes more stress to people because people that are trying to find we have this um, crisis of people trying to find information to be healthier, different workout thing. People that are just getting the working out. And you know what? You should probably not go to Instagram for all your information or YouTube. You should take information, but you if you're going to do anything extreme, you should probably resort to an actual personal trainer who's there directly to make sure you don't kill yourself or hurt yourself before you even begin your journey. Because if you overtrain, fuck up your body, well, what are you going to do? Blame USA Today for saying, hey, they said I didn't have to fucking warm up. And they'll be like, you really thought that not warming up before you do something is really a good thing? Eh, you should get hurt. Anyways, it's just, is there is there really such a thing as too much information? Too much contrary information for something that really, there should be a variation of information, but there should be a consistency of information as well with certain things. With exercise, fitness, and strength, even if there's different ways of doing the same thing, there should be a consistent fucking thing, a consistent pattern, a consistent message that correlates so people, so just the average person doesn't hurt themselves at the very minimum. Because if some person were to read the article and, you know, not put their elbows behind their back and shit... And make sure that their scapular muscles or their wings are actually stretched out before they go for a run and pull their back. Or make sure their hip flexors are actually loosened and not stiff. And that's where you get fucking hurt if you don't squat correctly. Imbalance issues. You're scatia. Jesus Christ. The oversaturation of inconsistent information, I think, with health and fitness... Is actually a serious problem. And I do think there's too much information for something. There's too much inconsistent information from too many different people. That it's really, actually, I think it's actually causing more stress on people. Because if you could go through Instagram or YouTube, you watch one video, like, okay. And you watch another video. Like, you watch one video and they say, oh, never do ab- uh, planks. Planks are really bad for your uh, bone structure. They don't actually help with anything, with balance or nothing. They actually cause more harm than good because you're actually creating nerve damage in your forearms. Then you watch a video next and they said, planks are the number one way to gain your core muscle. It's like, well, I just watched a video that said it basically caused me nerve damage for the rest of my life. Then I watch another that says, is the number one key to building your core. It's a great after effect workout. Or sit-ups are bad. Watch another video. Sit-ups are really the only way. It's obviously not the only way to build abs or core strength. But it sure as hell is the most simple you can do in your room. Oh, well, uh, what builds your your chest more? Push-ups or bench? It's like a combination of both. But you watch one video. It says... Only mass on the bench press will build your chest up. And then you watch another video and be like, oh, all you need to do is push-ups and pull-up to get a bigger, more tight chest. Because if you're starting, when you, if you're a novice starting out, should you master pull-ups before, or should you master uh, doing a lot of push-ups before putting a lot of weight on the bar? Or should you gradually, folk, if you can't really do push-ups, should you focus on just trying to get as much weight on the bar to do bench press. I don't know. You watch one video, it'll tell you you should not bench press until you're able to do 10 push-ups. And another video would say, uh, it doesn't matter. You know, to each their own. We get it. But an inconsistency in the health and fitness world is actually, I think, causing more stress on people because we watch one video... Then someone watches another video. Then you watch another video that negates the previous video. And then the first video they watch negates from the fourth video they watch. It's like, then that's when we have a lot of static people out here like, I don't even know where to start. Like back then, man, like Jim was only, hey, climb this fucking rope. Run until you throw up. Do pull-ups 
until you can't do pull-ups no more. You know, push-ups. Things were simple. Did the bodies look as good? Yeah, probably not in the 1950s, 60s. But everyone was basically looked the same, relatively healthy. Because it was like, hey, it's pretty simple. Get off your ass, eat your green beans and broccoli, eat a protein, eat some rice, go about your day. Nowadays, it's all these moderations. It's all these artifacts that you got to do to maintain a certain physique. It's like you can't just eat this and this. You can eat whatever you want. Sometimes you can. Sometimes you can't. And it's all these inconsistencies and messages that I think causes a lot of fucking stress on people. People that are trying to get out of the rut. People that are novices just trying to begin in it. It's like, what the fuck do I do? And when you get people in their head that are already struggling with starting, it's not a recipe for success. Being serious, like, if if you have a stranger that's, let's say, um, let's say they sign up for a Planet Fitness membership, and they're starting like 325 pounds. They go and they start running on treadmill, you know, jogging, walking, stairing, climber, they're grow- then they lose like 20 pounds in two and a half months. It's great progress, right? Then they watch a video that says... If you're trying to lose weight, stop going on the treadmill. Stop going on the step climber. Hmm. It's like, well, this success has actually proven the word for me. And like, treadmills will cause bad knees. Treadmill is like, yeah, well, you know what else causes bad knees? Being heavily obese. You know? On a serious note. And then they, watch, and then they get discouraged. Like, well, okay. Oh, well, fine. I'll go start running outside. Oh, running outside actually causes a... It's the concrete is really bad for your joints. It's like, but I thought the treadmill was bad for my joints. It's like, yeah, because you're running on concrete. It's uh, you're, you don't have something run towards you. So sometimes the treadmill, it's not doing all the work, but it's doing like 20 to 30% more work than if you were to run outside by yourself on concrete, which is just your body type of thing. And then it's like, oh, so I don't run on concrete. I don't run on treadmills. Hmm. What do I run on? Is, I mean, even though the progress you've shown in two months has shown the work, hey, what do I do? Because I don't want to fuck up my knees. What do I do? The answer would be, you should probably consult a doctor or consult a personal trainer. But then they may tell you, yeah, you shouldn't. You don't need to run at all to lose weight. All you got to do is lift and exercise. It's like, okay. Maybe. So it's like, what the fuck do we do? I understand, like, you should adapt a plan that works for you. should adapt variations that are specific to what your goals are. That's common sense, you know. Most people agree with that. You need to diagnose your body type, what you're trying to get at, you know, where you're at realistically, you know, to reduce the stress on your joints, but still get the same impact until you lose weight and lose weight, blah, 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 right? But this, but like, if you were to go on anything, looking up information, articles, fucking blogs, fucking whatever, you're going to get so many different things for one simple question. And it's going to cause confusion. And then you're going to get in your own head. You be the thing that really that novices and beginners struggle with in anything is getting over the first hump, the first time they hit adversity, and then whatever goal they are. That's why typically most people don't follow through on goals because that first thing things may be going well for first adversity. Oh, I pulled a calf muscle three months in, I need a rest for a week. Then you get out of your routine. Then when your calf heals, you're trying to gradually build back up and not go too fast, blah, blah, blah. I'm not a health coach, but this is just common sense shit. And then you get out of the routine. You may gain a little weight in the week. You get discouraged, and then you're back on the decline. And then you try to avoid doing the same thing that happened with the first injury, even if it was just a freak thing. Huh. Well, fuck me. All I was trying to do is lose some fucking weight. And now I got freaking Jeff Cavalier telling me, 
don't use or like oh don't use dumbbells don't use dumbbells for bench press and then you watch another video oh dumbbells are best for your joints for bench press never use the barbell it's like what the fuck do i do jesus Oh, well, use the Smith machine. It's like, it's not the fucking same. Using the fucking Smith machine. It's not the same weight. And even if it is, it literally does have the work for you. Only thing, it keeps it in a straight. If you're in balance, that probably is a more safer option, whatever it is. But the fucking point is, it's not the same. But on a serious note, I think the stress of... All these differences of information can really discourage people. And it causes more stress on people. At the end of the day, because it's not as simple as, oh, well, keep doing your due diligence and deep research. Because you could look up one thing and you, you go one thing, how to bench press. Type in how to bench press on Google or how to bench press on YouTube. I want you to watch five different videos. Pick five random videos on the fucking first page. I guarantee you there's going to be three different ways out of the five videos you choose minimum. They may all say some slightly different. Keep your elbows in. Make sure your chest is out. Make sure uh, you do it on a certain. Make sure when you do it, you do it high on the chest, mid chest, lower chest. Like make sure it touches your chest. Make sure it touches. Make sure you bring it all the way down and control it. Three seconds down, all the way up. It's so much fucking different things. I don't mean to make this all about health and fitness, but that article, it's like a microcosm. Luckily, it doesn't affect me because I kind of know what the hell I'm doing. I've worked out at least a decent part of my life off and on in recent years. But when I, you know, when I do it, I'm not a complete novice. I know how to do shit. My body just can't do it because uh, you're out of shape. Now I know what like uh, 52-year-old guys feel. When uh, they just the body just don't feel the same. Except I'm literally half their age, minus two years. Not great. Not great. Speaking of uh, not great. Um, I really not to get all right, man. Like I've talked about politics before, but I don't really want to talk about politics. But what I will say is I think I think the I think the issue with people that talk about I'm gonna talk about people that talk about politics. Not getting specific here, but you can figure it out. Whoever the fuck I'm talking about, you probably know who it applies to. If it applies to anyone that comes to mind. If it comes to mind, there's a reason why it comes to mind. But for some reason we have intertwined personal values with politics and think they always have to mesh together. I understand that with certain uh, political uh, leanings, whatever side of the fence you are, which um, there's nothing wrong with climbing the fence once in a while to agree with stuff. It's okay. Um, But the idea that Every single opinion you have. I think now the problem is every time someone has an opinion, they try to align it with a political side. And then they box you in to a political side. And somehow every thought you have is somehow a political reason. I'll tell you why I bring it up. Because I was actually talking with... uh, I was talking with someone, someone who I wouldn't say we're friends, but someone that I do conversate with fairly regularly when they run into the spot where I work on stuff. They'll come by, sit down with me, and, you know, they want to they want to talk about certain things, you know. And she always bitches about fucking dudes that she handpicks. Which, if you handpick shitty dudes, that means you probably have shitty judgment. If it's a consistent thing. Just saying. Um, But she always... 
But she says that she could never be with someone who she politically thinks different than. Which ironically, when she talks about politics, I think she should just be happy that someone would listen to anything she says of anything because she's a fucking idiot about everything. And I don't like calling people fucking idiots. I only call people fucking idiots when they literally think everything they say is gold. And the only thing golden about it is the fact that, to me, it's just amazing to see someone or to see something so fucking dumb, but think they're so smart. And for that, I will call you a fucking idiot. Now, I always give her benefit of the doubt. Um, I wonder why we're not friends. I don't understand. She tried to... So, she's been on some dates with some dudes in the past three months. By dates, I mean she's been out with six different dudes in three months. Even though she um, probably shouldn't. Because she kind of has two kids already with two different dudes. Not a not a great uh not a great sign. And she really she really said that she noticed a pattern. And she noticed a pattern with their political beliefs and how they deal with simple gestures towards a woman. She said Every Republican dude I've ever been with. Um, if I don't give him sex on the first night. Then they will ask for their money back for the bill that they paid for dinner. And she said, on the contrary, every uh, Democrat... Or liberal or libertarian or person that doesn't affiliate with politics at all. They just don't have the money to pay for the bill to begin with. My thing is one. If they ask you on a date and don't have the money to pay for it. That that means they literally knew That they could ask you on a date. And they wouldn't have to pay for it. Because they know you're a fucking whore. And for the Republican side. The ones that asked for money back. Because she didn't give you sex on the first date. I was like well. I'm not saying they're right. Because they're not. You should never pay for a meal with the expectation you get sex out of it. Even though, when you really think about it, taking someone on dates that you know you just want to fuck anyways. It really is a form of prostitution. If your whole intention was getting a free dinner just to fuck. It's just a median way. Instead of direct money, I got you the sampler uh, Red Lobster. And... That shrimp scampi really uh, buttered up your cholesterol levels. And um, I don't even know where I'm fucking going with this. Jesus Christ, Clint, you're a fucking idiot. Oh, yeah. But when she tried to associate, she noticed a pattern. I was like, it's funny to me how you can diagnose these patterns in these very below subpar men that you decide to let take you out on a date. But you can't diagnose your pattern and the fact that you are subject to have these type of men always ask you out on dates. And then every time you talk about men, when you used to come through and complain to the other ladies there about how all about how all these men 
just ain't shit. All these men ain't this. But then now you're complaining about the same men that are attracted to you. Maybe a common thread. Maybe a common thread. I don't even know where I was going with that. I felt like I had a bigger, deeper uh, understanding and ending to that, but um, just wasn't there. Just didn't hit home. Just didn't. I will say this, though. Oh, getting a little sporty here. Um, Stephen A. Smith, for the sports fans out there. So there's this MLB player. I believe he's from Japan. Um, show, is it Shohei Otani? He is killing it in the MLB. He's a uh, Asian Japanese player. Don't like. I'm. We're just gonna say he's Japanese. I could be wrong, but he's from Asia, Southeast Asia, something like that. Which I don't know if that's Japan. I'm a fucking idiot. The point I'm trying to make here. So Stephen A. Smith said that him being the face of MLB, being the fact that. He doesn't really speak English well. He has an interpreter and he's not very out there like in terms of socially or nothing like that, but he's killing it. He's basically, he's kind of like a duo face of the MLB along with his teammate Mike Trout, which is amazing how they have essentially two of the four best players in MLB and they fucking suck ass as a team. I will never fucking understand this shit, but whatever. So... Stephen A. said that Shohei Otani being the face of MLB is actually not a good thing. Because, one, since he needs an interpreter to re- in terms of growing the game and getting the popularity back to MLB... Um, it is not good that someone who needs an interpreter, and he's kind of alluding to the fact that on a predominant, on a predominant, uh, you would prefer as a league in America to have a homegrown player as the face of baseball, in a sense, as the person that's the most popular, and as of right now, he's basically the most popular player. And Stephen A. was basically saying that, eh, it would be much better if it wasn't him, no matter how good he is, because it doesn't really help the game. Um, I disagree with it for the simple fact that that's not the reason why baseball is not interesting or declining. You could have a Kyrie type of personality in MLB. Someone who's very outspoken about things. Someone who's very vibrant. Someone who gets a lot of media attention. You could have... Um, just think about anyone that's a very vibrant. Is very out there, outspoken about things. Then you would criticize them for being outspoken about things. And you would say, just shut up and play. So it's weird how it's kind of like a microcosm that what do like what is these expectation for athletes when they're when they just play the game, put their head down, just mind their business. They're not outspoken enough. They're not out there enough to grow the game and stuff. But then if they're outspoken, if they're always speaking on things, always have opinions about things, then they need to understand that someone signs their checks and they need to shut up and dribble. They need to just be quiet. They just need to be uh, honored and respectful for the fact that they're playing a game for a living this and that. And it's this like, it's this, we keep moving the goalpost just for an excuse to criticize someone. I think it's a microcosm because I do think that debate television in general kind of creates this criticism culture. It creates this, it, this ease for criticism, no matter if the criticism is valid or not. It's almost like, oh, this person's not criticized about something. I could find a reason to criticize. 
It's like there's no reason to criticize a Shohei Otani, for example. You had to like really, that's like really reaching in a sense. Now, yes, Stephen A. Smith has quote unquote apologized, but he didn't really apologize for it. He, he basically tell he apologized because, you know, just for ESPN's sake or whatever. And and I've kind of dabbled in it before with Skip Bayless and them, for example. His thing with LeBron, it's like, it's over the top and insane. It doesn't mean that no one deserves to be criticized. Like, I'm all about fair criticism. I'm all about, you know, even if it's not fair, but I'm all about, you know, you can have an opinion criticism as long as you can at least lay out your reason for criticism. And it doesn't sound like you're just criticizing just to be contrarian. Because no one had a single criticism about Otani before. And it seems... I do think television, I do think the internet, I do think the access... Because it's kind of like the saturation of information I was talking about earlier. There's so much saturation of information, you have to say things that grab headlines and grab attention. You have to find a way to stick out. There's too many people that can speak about something to stand out. And I'm not saying he didn't, I'm not saying that people don't mean what they say, but I do think some people wouldn't say that the criticisms they would say if there wasn't such a fight for attention and headlines for whatever you're doing, your show, blah, blah, blah. I think there's, there's, there's criticism that makes logical sense. And then there's criticism that just because your show is a focal point about criticism, that doesn't mean literally every single thing has to have a, cr- a critical analysis attached to it, especially when it's reaching. Now, let's also be honest. The rhetoric that... um. Do I believe that a mass audience of MLB or any sport? The reality is, is that there is this kind of white savior. Not white, but there's always, as the face of your league, because a predominant amount of your audience is typically white, just by the numbers of population and things of that nature, is that... It's like with NBA. Anytime a white dude is just remotely competent. He's perceived as so much better than he is. And I always use the example of Alex Caruso. Is he a fine player? Yes. Did he help the Lakers win the title? Yes. Did he just get busted for weed? Yes. Now that part's relevant, but... Is he really athletic? Yes. Does he also only dunk with his right hand? Yes. Not important, but it is fair to point out. The Alex Caruso is at best like a seventh man. He's not a starting guard in the league per se, but he, he can't be like a championship caliber type player for any sport uh, viewers out there. Kind of understand where I'm getting at with this in that Alex Caruso is a Role player at best. He's like not even one of the 200 best players in the league. Probably. He may be, but not really. But his um, popularity is so much more just for the simple fact that he's doing something that you typically don't see from a white six foot three guard, six foot four guard in the NBA. Dude's got hops. Like, hops. He's got those beer type of hops. Pop a can, bud. But, uh, throw it down lightly, please. This is not one of my best episodes, but I do think it's something that's very important. You know, sometimes you gotta have these episodes to get your shit off your chest and really say something that matters. But anyways, it's definitely not a coincidence that Alice Caruso is a marginal average player in the NBA. But if you were to go on Instagram, a lot of 
there's a fair amount of Alice Caruso highlights from a dude that averages like seven, eight points a game. And I'm not saying you're shitting on the guy. But for example, let's just say um, a seventh man dude on the Kings, the Sacramento Kings, who's black, literally has the same game Alice Caruso does, averages the same stats, can do the same type of dunks and everything. Eh. There's not this social media glorification of what he does. Like, oh my God, look how high he jumps. Alex Crusoe does it. And a guy who's balding on top of that must have really high testosterone levels. And that it's 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 like as an audience member, it seems like as consumers and from a media standpoint. They're always trying to elevate marginal white players in a sense compared to black players who are literally just as good or the same talent level as them and put out the same production. And this isn't supposed to be about a race thing, but I do think that is something to bring up because when it comes back to Otani, I do think you... I do think the MLB and sports leagues would always prefer, American sports leagues would prefer the face of the league be an American-born player. It doesn't necessarily have to be white, but Mike Trout, they would want the Mike Trouts and Bryce Harpers. And Stephen A. Smith did say that. I do think he believes that, and I do think there's merit. But when the talent of Otani has become undeniably... More than Bryce Harper, for example, who's kind of up and down when you look at his stats for the baseball nerds. And Mike Trout, who's very consistent and amazing, is probably the best all-around player, but Otani's just blown out of the park this year. No pun intended. Tokyo. Drift. Hey, I did tie it back together. But, um... I don't think what Stephen A. Smith said is completely out of bounds because I do think the rhetoric is a lot of people unconsciously would prefer that it's is probably kind of hard to advertise your league to have a face of your league that can't directly speak English per se do I think it personally matters on a personal standpoint no if I'm gonna watch Otani that shit doesn't matter if I'm going to tune in to watch him at bat, it doesn't really matter. In the fact that the dude pitches as well. But what he was saying where he was getting at, I think it pushed people the wrong way. And it made it seem like he's trying to talk about race and always involving race in it. But it is abnormal to see. It's not that normal to see a player from Asia, Tokyo, Japan. Well, Tokyo is, is in Japan, but you get what I'm saying. Playing the MLB. Typically, when they do, they're really good. Like, Ichiro Suzuki. One of the best contact hitters to ever play the game. Um, Hideki Matsui. Champion. Multi-champion with uh, the Yankees. Then we've had... There's been a couple pitchers. um, Like, Daisuke Matsuzaka. He came... He had this gyro ball. He didn't turn out to be the greatest pitcher, but he was fascinating. Um, then you have players from other countries, such as Hideo Nomo, who was dominant when he played, Pedro Martinez from Venezuela. Then you get in the Dominican Republic, which typically the Cuba, the Cubas, the Dominican Republics, the, you know, um, those type of countries, basically disenfranchised country, third world countries to come here for baseball as basically some of their way out. I don't think that's accidental. But if MLB had it their way, I do think they would want a white player from Washington. They would want some guy like the Braves. The two best players are Ronald Cunha and Albis. But man, they sure try to elevate Dansby Swanson, even though he's... An average player at best, in my opinion. That's not criticizing. But when you compare him to the best players on the team, it's almost like they're trying to force 
his they tried to force his stardom before he was ready, and he's gotten better and stuff. But Acuna is one of the best players in the league. God, this got boring real fucking quick, even for me. But the conversation with Stephen A. Smith was trying to get at, I do think there is some validity to it. Do I agree? Do I agree with it, per se, that it's right? No. I don't think it should matter. But I think you're lying to yourself if you don't think, from a marketing standpoint, to an American audience of a... Uh, to of a sport that already struggles to get people to tune into games and retention uh, time watching it's a very local regional sport I do think you're kind of crazy if you don't think that matters and I'll even bring it up um, in the NFL <sighs> nah I'm not going to say it. nah you know what forget that save for another time because I mean, if you want to be real about it, I really don't think the NFL, for example, would personally... Patrick Mahomes, you know, he's half black, half white. It's not really relevant. He's the best undeniable, probably overall player in the league. His success at a young age, his talent, everything. You can't even deny it. But you notice how with, like, Lamar Jackson, they... They're always trying to find what's wrong with him, even though the success is really undeniable. He wins in the regular season. He's improved in the playoffs every year. He's improved as a passer, undeniable as a dual threat player. He makes their offense be able to be as explosive and as dominant as it can be at times. He is the reason they can use two running backs, and they have success because he opens up the field. He has improved as a passer, even with below-average receivers for the most part. You notice it's always like, yeah, I don't know if I would pay Lamar. I don't know. It's always... He won MVP, and there's still doubt. There's still doubt amongst... It's like, yeah, but he's a he's a running back. It's like the dude threw for 40 touchdowns in a fucking season. Or was it 36? He led the NFL. Well, he technically did he technically lead? Um he didn't technically lead, but you know. Yeah, he led the NFL in passing touchdowns in his MVP year. Somehow he can't throw. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The point is there's there's always this negative Let's just call it what it is. It's really stereotyping at this point, even with the diversity at the QB position. Even if it's not blatant and conscious, there is, I do think, an unconscious bias with a lot of consumers. Because it's like this acceptance of what has used to be seen at the QB position, and now it's more than just that. You can't deny it at this point. And it's always like critic like actually there was a video came up today. He was um he was like on a basketball court, like a pickup basketball court near where I believe he grew up somewhere in Florida. And he was out there kind of like out in the community, you know. I don't think it was a football camp or nothing, but he was just playing with kids in his neighborhood and they were doing like one on one like uh, wide receiver cornerback drills and he was playing corner on a basketball court in shoes the proper shoes going against these kids just playing with them because they want to go one-on-one with Lamar and somehow people on the internet were still saying this is why you can't pay him this is why you can't give him max extinction because his judgment his judgment of going out in his community Giving back. Actually being there. Giving back to his community. Not just giving money to a charity. Actually out there with the kids. Making an impact for the day. And somehow. That right there is a reason why you shouldn't give him. A big contract. Well, let me break the news. The Ravens are going to give him a big contract, and deservingly so. 
it's just fucking, it's just, and I do like, and I will say, I like that, I also, more than like, I love the fact that he came back on Twitter that people criticized him, and he just said, you know what, y'all can have your opinion, but I'm not going to apologize for going out in the community, especially the community he was in where he grew up or whatever, where we were having fun instead of them playing with guns. He made some type of line about that. And for that, I will not apologize for that. And I appreciate someone that didn't give in. Could you imagine if he apologized for being out there with kids, playing with them? Sure, of course there's injury risk. Okay. If he gets injured, that's on him. Fine. He has to take that L. But you know what? If he did it doing a good thing, so fucking be it. He wasn't out there doing jet skis. He was exercising. He wasn't, you know, playing with fireworks and blew his hand off like Jason Pierre-Paul. He's out there giving back to his community. Not just giving money, actually out there. Making a direct impact. And somehow, still find a way to criticize. It's insane to me. It really is. Alright, I'm going to end this below average podcast on that note. Um, Go uh, subscribe to the tube. And uh, this was not a very fun one, but fellow, wasn't it? Go follow the IG, TikTok, blah, blah, blah. You know the fucking spill. And uh, oh yeah, suck some titties. Alright guys, I just realized I didn't even look at the camera for like 30, 40% of this fucking podcast. But so fucking be it. Alright guys, uh, hope you enjoyed this Friday podcast, and uh, remember, suck some titties, and uh, have a great fucking Friday. Have a good Friday, even though it's not quote-unquote good Friday, but have a good one. Ooh, yeah.